Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. And today we will be discussing another cryptic episode. Cryptid. Cryptid, whatever. You keep saying cryptic or something of that nature, and it's not quite accurate. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Yeah. Would you like to tell more about it? I did want to update a couple of things, especially in regards of the Writers Guild and Actors Strike. A couple of things I've been hearing throughout the grapevine. One thing is, is that A24, the independent American production company, has agreed to all of the actors' demands in the strike and has agreed to all those things in hopes to provide actors with jobs, which is great. We love that. And if A24 is willing to compromise and agree to those terms and conditions, then all AMPTP represented production should be able to do the same. That said, what I've also heard, we talked about it in the strike episode, but we also we broke down which CEOs how much they make per year. And they make Upwards to like millions, like the eight digit millions. Yeah. Like it's a lot of money. Like 50 million. Well, one of them had 52. I can't remember off the top of my head, but one of them makes 52 million a year. Wasn't that Netflix? It could be, but I don't know. One of the CEOs of these production companies makes 52 million a year, and then others make a little less than that. What is being said though, statistically, if CEOs of these production companies give 2% of their earnings to their writers, it could end the writer's strike. Like, just 2% alone. So I was talking about this with Colin earlier. We talked about the one CEO that makes $52 million. 2% of that is $1,040,000. Mm. Like, that's still a lot of money that you have to dispense amongst a team of writers, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. But still, the fact that they're not even willing to do that is like pretty ridiculous. I feel like that's enough to go around, though. It is enough. $52 million. That's why I said in the episode, $52 million for one person per year is a ridiculous high number for somebody to make per year. Mm-hmm. Like, you and I together don't make that much per year. We no. barely make it into the six digits with our income combined. And so it's just really crazy to imagine one person making that much money per year. Mm-hmm. Like, that is life-changing money. Yeah. So those are the two things I wanted to touch up upon. And then another two things I wanted to talk about that we haven't discussed yet, but has been discussed through the horror industry grapevine, is that... Guillermo del Toro has partnered with Netflix, unfortunately, into making his own universal monster movie universe. series. Or yeah, or universe, right. Mm-hmm. And he's working on, uh, I don't know if it's like the rights, but he's working on the development of a Frankenstein movie. Yeah. Which would be interesting. I mean, I admire Guillermo del Toro's work. I love the Hellboy movies with Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. I loved the Cabinet of Curiosities. And he has this really great, like, imagination when it comes to the design of his characters and creatures. So I'm very interested to see how he does with this. But I've also heard that Maggie Gyllenhaal, the sister to Jake Gyllenhaal, is also working on her own adaptation of The Bride of Frankenstein 
which is said to be starring Christian Bale, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. And I was just going to say, too, that I'm actually kind of excited for this because I've been wanting a, like a new version of like the Universal Monster movies for mm-hmm. quite a while because back in like the 2010s, they were supposed to do... Universal was supposed to do a dark universe, kind of like an updated of the Universal Monsters. They were supposed to do that with the Wolfman, mm-hmm. with um, Benicio, uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yep. Um, and then they were supposed to do that movie to combine with Dracula Untold. Mm-hmm. And both those movies did not do so well to make the universe, you know, like the dark universe happen. And then also... The Mummy with Tom Cruise, that was actually mm-hmm. all supposed to recline together to make a whole Dark Universe series with all three of those movies. But by the way that they were um, presented in the box office and how they really did business-wise, didn't do so good. So they weren't as successful in the box office as produ- productions had hoped it would be, Yeah, because, which then resulted a downfall in this yeah, strategy. Because basically the box office declares whether there's going to be a universe or not because that's why Marvel did so successful and that's why they created their own Marvel universe mm-hmm. because of their sales of the tickets and how well they did the movies if universal monster movies of those did that well back then like like Marvel well there'd be a huge giant dark universe with everyone right but didn't work out in that way so maybe this time Guillermo del Toro yeah will hopefully do a successful justice with this to the point where it actually can be a universe with all this. And I really want more Frankenstein adaptations. We have way too many Dracula ones, I feel like. I want freaking more Wolfman and, like, Invincible Invisible Man and, like... Well, we stuff. had an Invisible Man remake made with Elizabeth Moss not too yeah. long ago. It's a more modern take of the story, which I thought was really interesting, and that, that was something I wanted to do a remake debate on, but unfortunately, because of the writer's strike, I don't know if that's something we'll be able to do in the future, but actually, it is available on actually, streaming services right actually, now. Actually, I do want a, um, I want a new version of Frankenstein versus the Wolfman movie. Like, if they could do a updated version of that... That would be interesting. That would be amazing. I would pay to see that. Bring Benicio Del Toro back yeah. to play... Lawrence Talbot. That would actually be pretty interesting. And then whoever well, yeah, but did he's is... dead in the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. he is. Yeah, so Fuck. you would have to find someone else. Well, you would have to find a creative way to bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, pretty if, much. If they could bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to share those two pieces of information because I thought those were fun. Uh-huh. And then I did want to run something by you because this was something I also heard through the grapevine. So remember how Radio Silence directed and produced the last two Scream movies? Yeah. So, turns out, there is another Scream movie that's been greenlit to go. Mm. However, Radio Silence is not touching this one. And instead, they've given the director's seat to Christopher Landon, who's well well known for Happy Death Day. He's going to take over for the Scream movie? Yes, he's done Happy Death Day and Freaky... And we... What's that Netflix movie that just came out? Ghosted? Of no. Yes, yeah, Ghosted, I think. No. no we bought it's it. not Ghosted. The one with David Harbour? Yeah, I think that's Ghosted, right? No, I think it's oh, We no, Bought a Ghost. Oh, no, that's a TV show. Okay. Oh, We Bought a Ghost, yeah. Oh, We Have a Ghost. That's what it's called. We Have a Ghost. Okay. Yes. Wait a minute. David Harbour was also in a Frankenstein movie. 
that came on 2019 called Frankenstein's Monster, Monster Frankenstein. Oh? Yeah, starring David Harbour. Is it a play? No, I don't think so. But anyway, I sorry, I got sidetracked. How do you feel about the idea of Christopher Landon taking on a Scream movie? I, well, after doing movies like Freaky and uh, Happy Death Day, I just hope that he doesn't, like, over, like, humorize, like, the Scream movies. Yeah, that's a lot of people's concern. I mean, because here's the thing is, is that there are certain movies that are meant to be scary and there's there's movies that are meant to be funny. And then there are movies that are meant to be funny and scary at the same time. Sure, Scream has had some funny moments and everything, but they don't overshadow the movie with humor. They overshadow the movie with... Um, suspense, suspense, and gore, and, and gore, stabbing, and yeah. just also meta stuff too. Yeah, meta yeah. references. So the guy who made Happy Death Day, if he could still continue that legacy of meta and suspense and all that stuff without making it like his own like Death Happy Death Day, that'd be fine. I'm raising my hand because I want Colin to shut up. Anyway, <laughs> so let's look at it this way. We've seen the whole Scream franchise lay itself out in the terms of a franchise, right? Like, that was the latest installment with this Scream 7 movie, right? Or Scream mm-hmm. 6? Mm-hmm. And with, so with Scream 6, they're in New York City. They've now established that this, this whole story has now evolved into a franchise, mm-hmm. right? We had the original, the sequel, then we had the trilogy with the third movie... The remake with part four, the sequel remake, what do they, what do they call it? Uh, a remade sequel? Yeah. Okay. That was the fifth movie. Yeah, there's a and lot then, of meta. And then this is that. So what if, what if, hear me out, what you just said about Christopher Landon's movies being sort of silly and campy in nature. I mean, they're so what, gory, but still but very campy and what, silly. What if, though, the Stabbing franchise reaches a point where they start to discuss parodies? Whoa. That is crazy. Because look at, look at how, like, horror movie franchises have always played out, right? Yeah. You play them out too long, eventually people are going to make parodies of it. Like what they did with the Scary Movie franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't it make sense to kind of go that direction? Yeah. I think it would be creative on Christopher mm-hmm. Landon's part. I know, but it and still it makes has to sense. be very intense. It still has to be very suspenseful. It can be intense, but still be camp. Or still be fun and silly in a way. It almost is like freaky. scary movie. It, that's what I'm saying. That's what I just said. It would be like the scary movie franchises where you have all of these horror movies and horror tropes just making fun of themselves in one movie. Yeah, I guess so. In a way, in a way, like, and Scream does it all the time. Like, they have the same pattern all the time. So it's not like. I just hope it would be reaching here. I just hope they don't over-humor it. That's the problem. But that's what Scream... Or not Scream, but that's what Scary Movie does. Yes, but we're Scary not... Movie picks on itself so fucking hard that the jokes are incredibly outdated, mildly offensive, and yet people still like it. Yeah, I love them. For, but I hate the Scary Movie franchise, and I've, I've talked about it before in the podcast if you've been listening long enough. 
the scary movie franchise is so dumb it makes my brain hurt. Like, well, that's when her movies, opinion. I know it's my opinion, but when I watch something that is really, really stupid, like the Dumb and Dumber movies, you take that. It back. makes my brain hurt. You make my brain hurt after saying that. Anyway. Anyway. Is so, there anything you want to say before we get into the? I Topic of the week. I will pretend those two minutes did not exist, but yes. Okay. But anyway, we should get on with our main topic. All right. So, a long time ago, and I shouldn't say it was too long, it was like earlier in the year, we talked a little bit about cryptids with the Chubacabra movies that we had discussed. And I wanted to bring that segment back because, like I've said before, With the strike going on and us still not being able to talk about major blockbuster movies, we have to find other creative ways to discuss horror that's not supporting the AMPTP CEOs. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be fun if we shifted our focus back to the cryptid side of the horror world and talk about Bigfoot's. Colin loves Bigfoot, so I thought this would well, be his time to shine. Well, here's the thing, though. I not only just love Bigfoot, but it was always in my family because mm-hmm. of my father. Because my father was a big... You think Tom Holland is a big um, alien conspirator? So is my father. Tom Holland. No, not Tom Holland. Tom DeLong. I was going to say, which Tom Holland? Because there's no, two. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean Tom DeLong from Blink-182. Yeah, Because he, you... he was a big um, alien uh, conspiracy. And literally, he was right recently about what happened. And my dad, finding out this too, he would have been like, duh, of course they exist. Because my dad always thought that aliens exist. But he also always knew that Bigfoot exists. He always was a huge, uh, con- what is that word, conspiracy? Conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theorist about Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. He loved Bigfoot. He loved everything about the origin, the history of it. He obsessed with this for years to go deep dive into research about if he exists or not. I mean, this all started when he was a kid, when he was camping, and he actually thought one time in his tent he had like a giant behemoth creature like slam on the top of his tent and he was freaked out and the shadow that what it looked like was like a form of a sasquatch and that's mm-hmm. why ever since then when he was a kid he was obsessed with wanting to know if bigfoot exists mm-hmm. and with that information was always handed down to us so literally i don't think my dad's crazy cuz honestly though I think he is right, because if aliens do exist, I know there's other beings out there that can exist also, other than aliens. Sasquatch, freaking um, Manahunis. Um, what? Yeah, the Manahuni. They're, What's uh, a Manahuni? Uh, Manahunis are very small, little people from Hawaii. They're like elves. Oh, okay. Those, I think I might have heard that yeah, before. The Manahunis, okay. yes. Okay. And then also mermaids, mermen, sirens. Whoa. I'm a little skeptic on the mermaid. Really? Thing. You're not yeah. skeptic about aliens, but yet you're skeptic about that? You're not skeptic. Well, here's the thing. What? Here's the thing. First That's of all, a- I'm going to derail a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not denying the... In- I mean, at this point, I can't deny the existence of aliens, no matter how much the thought just scares the shit out of me. But th- to think that there isn't life outside of Earth is really fucking ignorant. I mean, we are essentially ants on a rock that's just floating in endless nothing. Yeah. Like, in in a universe, right? And we're just saying, uh... And- Our solar system is not the only solar system in the entire universe. There are other universes, like, there are other solar systems, there are other galaxies, there are other other things going on in the universe that we don't know entirely of. NASA scientists are discovering new things every day in the galaxy. And to deny that those things don't exist would be totally fucking ignorant. Now, on the flip side of that, we have talked about before how the sea world is really fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, 75% of our world is made up of water. Yeah. And most of it has not been, dis- like, explored yet. So-, so there are still things in the darkest corners and crevices of the sea that have yet to be discovered. Yeah. And a lot of Do- that stuff. Yes. Do I think mermaids exist within those waters? I highly fucking doubt it. Bullshit. For for uh, for two reasons. For two reasons, okay? Mm. <laughs> it has been theorized, and I can kind of get behind this, mm. that earliest recorded sightings of quote-unquote mermaids mm. were reported by men or people out at sea who are traveling by sea for days and weeks and months at a time Hmm. would go days and weeks and months at a time Hmm. being a little delirious from the sun Hmm. lack of water and food can also cause like mirages and hallucinations to occur Hmm. and oftentimes what would happen manatees would be mistaken as mermaids which manatees we all know exist Right? Don't give me that look, Colin. Yes. Don't give me that look. So there's that theory. Another theory is, and I, I don't remember exactly which show this was, but I used to watch this show, and maybe Colin can help me out. I used to watch this show, and it would be like a group of investigators. They would get these like viewer submission photos and videos. Blue's of, Clues? No. Blue's Clues? You get viewers to help with solving. No, these these people would have like this group of investigators would have people submit pictures and videos of things out in the world that they had no idea what it was of. So you would get pictures and videos of things that people thought were UFO sightings or chupacabras or Bigfoot sightings or things like that, and they would go out into the area of where these things were documented and try to recreate it to see if they can try to recapture what these things were. Mm-hmm. And somebody submitted a, an underwater picture or video of what they thought was a mermaid. Now, they tried many different ways of recreating this video to see if there's any way they can recapture it and prove whether or not what these people saw was an actual mermaid, right? Now, here's the thing that they kind of eventually came to the conclusion. The closest that they got to it was, in fact, a woman in a mermaid costume swimming underwater. That was the closest thing they got. 
Second closest was footage of a manatee swimming away from them. That was the second closest. All right. I know you're laughing. Colin's laughing at me right now. And I don't know why. But I, I haven't even gotten to the point. Okay. So the point I'm trying to get at is that if they, and they even said this at the ending, since the mermaid actress was the closest thing that they were able to get in the footage that they were able to record, they said it's possible, maybe, that what these people saw was something like a mermaid. Because hmm. they ruled out, well, it kind of looks like a manatee, but it doesn't look quite like this actress. They also thought it could have been a fish, but the fish just didn't move the same way that the image of the person or creature in the video moved. Hmm. So they said, the thing about mermaids that people have been debating about over years is that even if mermaids existed, they wouldn't look like your usual mermaid depiction. Like when we see images of mermaids, we think they're these beautiful women with like voluptuous figures Mm. up top with fish tails on the bottom, (sighs) right? Yep. Here's the problem with that. When you take into consideration all the elements that mermaids would have to endure, swimming in the water over long periods of time, mm-hmm. eating the the food and the ecosystem in which they live in, in order for something like a mermaid to exist, it would have to take on an incredible amount of body weight just to keep itself sustained. Why are you giving me that look? No, I'm very No, no, fascinated. I want to know. I want to know. I'm very fascinated, but you know this is an episode about Bigfoot. I know it's an episode about Bigfoot, but <laughs> you started talking about mermaids, and then you got me on a fucking derailment about mermaids now. Mermaid. But going back to the show, the way they showed... So they took a digital imaging. They took a picture of a mermaid, right? Like a digital, mm-hmm. like a 3D digital image of a mermaid. And they say that based on the science behind how one would be able to live an ecosystem like the oceans, not lakes or ponds or like saltwater oceans. Mm-hmm. Yes. It they would have to take on the physical characteristics of a manatee. Mm-hmm. Because that's how manatees thrive in their ecosystem. Yeah. So maybe they the manatees disguise themselves. Like so people wouldn't know if they were actually the mermaids, but they were really just the manatees. But all I'm saying is that those are the two theories. Is that it's possible that what sailors are seeing is not actual mermaids, they're manatees. Or that if they are seeing something that are mermaids, they don't look like your then, your typical mermaid. Then how do you explain like videos of dead mermaids, same with parentheses... Uh, are you talking about the most recent article that came out a couple weeks ago? No, I'm talking about for years. There's always been video footage of, like, dead, like, mermaids or sirens, like, on the beaches. Like Some of the... those have kind of been debunked. Yeah? Yeah, like, some of those were debunked, saying that people purposely put those there to make it look like they had found a mermaid skeleton. Make it look like it's real. Yeah. Mm. It's hard to say... They look like they did a good job in, like, putting them there or what they look like. Well, we also got to think back to when we talked about P.T. Barnum in one of our oldest episodes. P.T. Barnum used to have his own, like, Cabinet of Curiosities museum. Mm -hmm. And one of his earliest attractions was the Fiji mermaid. It was literally, like, the upper half of a monkey with the bottom half of a fish. That's so gross. Yeah. And he fused the two together, taxidermied, obviously, to make it look like this 
aquatic creature that nobody's ever seen before. I didn't know if the thing moved or not, but okay. No, it wasn't a real Fiji mermaid, but it was just something... Like I said, it was something that he made up All right. to get people to believe in his bullshit. Anyway. But, I mean, I think we'll use that for another discussion about that. But until then... I will say about the Bigfoot also is that years ago, my dad took me and my brother to his private land when he was alive to Prattsburg, Mm -hmm. and we went on a Bigfoot expedition back then to see if we could find any evidence. And we did not see a creature, but as we were walking and stuff, we did find evidence of certain things, especially like broken tree trunks, broken tree branches that were yanked out of a tree and no man could really do that and they said only a bigfoot can do that and turn it into like forts and huts i think it's really really cool it was fascinating to see that stuff and just kind of like be out in you know nature and stuff with your family and try to find um sasquatch like you know like evidence it's kind of weird you know because everyone normally hey let's go camping let's have a great time camping my dad Let's go expedition hunting for Sasquatch in Prattsburg. It's like camping, except you're trying to find if there's something bigger out there than you are. So that's why I believe in my theory of that Sasquatch does exist. Mm. So I'm highly skeptical about it, but okay. Uh, I was about to say, um, your thoughts, honey? Just that I'm highly skeptical <laughs> about those sorts of things. Like, anything outside of our own world, I have to second guess because, oh. like... I thought you said double check or double look. No, (laughs) everything outside of our world, like outside of Earth, I have to second guess because, again, it's just the nature of knowing that we can't we can't possibly be the only life forms in this universe. It not only would be a very very bleak thought, Mm -hmm. but it would also be a really like pompous one to assume that like we're the only life forms in this world. You want to get into the Bigfoot conversation now? I thought that's what we were doing. Well, you were talking about how you and your family used to go Bigfoot hunting, so... Yeah, so that's why I'm ready to dive into what a Bigfoot is and... Yeah, that's why I was very um, interested about doing this topic today. So let's go into the story. All right, so what is a Bigfoot? (laughs) A Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch, is often described as a hairy, foul-smelling, human-slash-ape-like creature, standing as tall as seven feet. They can... They have also been known to reside in the northwestern regions of the United States and Canada. Soviet scientist, I'm going to try to sound it out, bear with me, Boris Porshnev. Do you want me to say it? Porshnev? Porshnev, yes. Yeah. Boris Porshnev believes that Bigfoot creatures could be remnants of Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Actually, they're not surprised. Like, I'm not surprised about that whatsoever because you know. You think it's like a possibility? I, I mean, it well, kind of does. There are some creatures from the prehistoric era that still are kind of around, whether it's like fish or like other type of like animals, especially like birds or like abnormal looking type animals that we still have around to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like even the Bigfoot could be from the prehistoric era. You know, because it could be well, a more hairier version of a man. Well, these are saying these are remnants. So these uh, could be, like, descendants of Neanderthals that haven't fully evolved. Like, mm-hmm. because the the evolution stages between Neanderthals and human beings like us today yeah. are millions of years apart. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard to assume that 
some of that Neanderthal DNA. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to say, really. Honey, I get what you mean. You're anyway. Fine. Uh, tales of Bigfoot exist throughout the world and appear in the folklore of North America, including indigenous people's folklore. Bigfoot has become an icon within the pseudoscience of cryptozoology and an enduring element of pop culture. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I feel like with a character like that, yes, like, you know, it's going to be big in our culture, but it depends on what makes it popular. You know, whether it's like movies... A character of a cartoon, stuff like that, you know, and they use that to more popularize it. There's actually, and I don't know if you've seen him on TikTok, but there's somebody on TikTok. Sasquatch who, was the saxophone? Yes, yeah, Sasquatch. Yeah. Yes, Sasquatch. Somebody in a Sasquatch costume playing a saxophone. He's playing sexy music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he did Careless Whisper. I cried. <laughs> That's how the imagery of bigfoot has really come to be in today's pop culture and media like he's just essentially become like the butt of a joke he's basically the stereotype that everyone makes fun of like they're like oh you know this is what the bigfoot looks like he just looks like a big huge hairy like gorilla like creature right yes so have there been any sightings of bigfoot now we do know that that a lot of people claim to have seen bigfoot or have had encounters with it including my father but the most famous one was british explorer david thompson has been credited with the first discovery of a set of sasquatch footprints in 1811 Hmm. since then hundreds of alleged prints have been made visual sightings and even alleged for Photographs and filmings have also contributed to the legend, though none of the purported evidence has been verified. The most notable photograph cited was taken by Roger Pattinson, Patterson, Roger Patton, Roger Patterson at Bluff Creek, California, in 1967. You know that picture? Yes, where you, like the yeah, sidewalk. It's, it's, yeah, it's the most famous one where you see like an imagery of tall trees and like brush. And in, like, the grainy foreground, you can kind of see this, like, yeah, what looks like an ape-like creature walking across the field. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the most notable and recognized image. Oh, okay. So, are there any movies about Bigfoot? Aside from... Yes, there is. Yeah. Aside from the 1987 family comedy film, Harry and the Henderson, there are more than... 150 films featuring big big feet or sasquatches. The most popular Bigfoot horror films are Exists, which re, which was released in 2014, The Legend of Boggy Creek, which was released in 1972, and The Abominable Snowman, which was released in 1957. And there is some discourse on whether or not Abominable Snowmen or Yetis are similar in nature and genetics as Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Especially Yetis. There are species of it, but they're still like kind of related. Like a different subbreed? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that and also the Abominable Snowman, too. So We're not going to get too much into detail with each movie. We're just going to talk a little bit about each. But there's Exists, like I said, which was released in October 3rd of 2014. I've never seen it. Has a runtime of an hour and 21 minutes. It was directed by Eduardo Sanchez and written by Jamie Nash. It stars Chris Osborne as Brian, Donna Madison as Donna Burge, Roger Edwards as Todd, 
Denise Williamson as Elizabeth, and Samuel Davis as Matt. And the synopsis goes, a group of friends who venture into the remote Texas woods for a party weekend find themselves stalked by Bigfoot. Sounds like a typical Bigfoot story. I wonder if this movie is in anything right now, like currently. Probably, probably not, but I know maybe the legendary, and not the legendary, the legend of Bucky Creek. I think that might be some, something on somewhere. Well, Exists is currently on Tubi oh, no. at the time of this recording. It's also available on Pluto, Amazon Prime, Plex, Free V, and of course the Redbox, Voodoo, and YouTube platforms. Oh, there's a sequel to Legend of Boggy Creek. There's a part two. Really? Yeah. It actually came out in 1985. Yeah. So The Legend of Boggy Creek was released on August 25th, 1972. and has a runtime of an hour and 27 minutes. It was directed by Charles B. Pierce and written by Earl E. Smith. The second one's on Tubi. Are both of them on Tubi or just no, the second one? just the second one. Okay. Yeah, uh, The Legend of Boggy Creek you can't find anywhere. So The Legend of Boggy Creek stars Vern Stearman as the narrator, William Stump as Jim, and Willie E. Smith as Willie. Now... I'm assuming that some of these are pretty low-budget films, so it doesn't surprise me that some of the names and the writing probably don't sound too extravagant. Pretty much, yes. So the synopsis goes, A documentary-style drama about the folk monster, a Bigfoot-type creature that has been sighted in and around folk Arkansas since the 1950s. And I... Thought it was almost pronounced Fook, but I had to pull up the Google pronunciation just to make sure I yeah, wasn't no. fucking it up. Yeah, so it is pronounced folk. Yeah, rhymes with poke. I love this. <laughs> I'm so glad we did this. So, unfortunately, it's not available anywhere right now. Which one? The Legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah, no, but the second one is. Well, the first one you mean we talked about. The first one, yes, Legend of Boggy Creek, but they came out with a sequel in 1985. Well, I... I'm talking about the movies that we were talking about right now. We okay. didn't put The Legend of Boggy Creek Part 2 in this lineup. So oh, well, focus just, on what's on the screen. I want people to know that there's more. Okay, well, like Colin said, there is a sequel. Fine on Tubi. The third movie that we will be talking about that is on my list, Colin, <laughs> is The Abominable Snowman, which, which was released on October 19th, 1957. And it stars a legendary Peter Shut Peter. up! Wow. Was directed by Val Guest, written by Nigel Neal, stars Forrest Tucker as Tom Friend, Peter Cushing as Donald Rollison. Peter Cushing, for those who may or may not know, was in all of those Dark Castle movies. Yes, he's a legend in those movies. He's been in movies with Vincent Price and Christopher Lee. That's what I'm saying. He's of the Dark Castle thing. Yes, he is. Exactly. Go on. <laughs> Maureen Connell as Helena Wilson, hmm. Richard Wattis as Peter Fox, and hmm. Robert Brown as Ed Shelley. Hmm. And the synopsis goes, a kindly English botanist and a gruff American scientist lead an expedition to the Himalayas in search of a legendary yeti. And that is the movies that we discussed. Yep. I never thought we'd do three movies at once. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, we 
when we, last time we did this, we covered one movie, but we also highlighted a few others as well. Mm-hmm. And we, I never really watch a lot of Bigfoot horror films. At least I haven't yet. But I figured if we were going to talk about Bigfoot, the best that I could do on my end was find movies that represented Bigfoot. Yeah, but there's not a lot except for like the two. I just said there was like over 150 movies about Bigfoot. I'm saying trying to find them on streaming services. Mm. Well, yeah, it could be tricky, but still. That's all I'm saying, dear. Anyway. Yes, anyway. So, yes, anything else you want to say, honey? Uh, is there anything you want to say about Bigfoot before we go on? That's what I was going to say to you. Anything else you want to say about Bigfoot before we go on? No. No. I think I'm good. I think I'm good too. I'm not, I'm not as much of a Bigfoot enthusiast as you are. Yeah, but it's not like I talk about it too, too much. But yes, but I do do love my Bigfoot. I think out of all the characters in the cryptid universe, Bigfoot is the best. What are you looking for? Because I watched a show, it was something like Unsolved Mysteries. I just want to make sure it's not oh, like... Oh, didn't they talk about Bigfoot in there? Because I think there I remember was... you showed me something. Yeah, I was trying to show you an episode, if I can find the show again. Unsolved Mysteries. I uh... Actually, I can't talk about it because it is a Netflix original series. Oh my god, baby, you are the worst. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So I can't talk about the show. Yeah, so that's all I have to say about Bigfoot. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I think so many people are going to enjoy this episode more than anything. Anyway, if yes. you're done talking about Bigfoot and I'm done talking about Bigfoot, do you want to share anything else with anybody before we sign off? Hmm, not too much. I mean, we got shows coming up. That's what I was going to say. Oh, what are you trying to say? Because I know, I know, as as we get closer to the fall season... First of all, I'm so happy that fall is like approaching, not like weather wise. Fast approaching, fast approaching, but yeah. Here's the fun thing about August, right? Fall technically is not here. Like the weather, the seasonal fall is not here yet, but the vibe of fall is here. And I mean that because Michael's, Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, at Homes. Here we go. Are, op- are just now releasing their Halloween collections to the masses. And I cannot be any more excited because this yeah. is the time of year where I restock on my home decor. She's and like, I'm so fucking she's like excited. like every other creepy wife that goes running up and down the halls of the store to the aisles to grab anything that she can find that looks perfect for her home. Yes. Whether it's candles, um, plates... Um, Every year I buy at least one new skull to put in the house. <laughs> Honey, I could just get you a real skull. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No. Yeah, just get it for I my have... job. How many do I have, actually? I don't even know. <laughs> How many dead bodies does I know have? I've got, Way too many. I know I've got one on the bookshelf downstairs by our TV. God, stop killing people. I think I've got oh. one on the coffee table. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Anyway... Yeah. I gotta get another one if I can't remember how many skulls I have. Anyway. This one's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, we already bought some stuff. And we actually, last weekend, we went to the Oddities and Curiosities Expo in Buffalo last Which weekend. Which took up most of our money. <laughs> it did, but it was worth it. Yeah. We bought some nice prints and stickers and patches. And 
I would have liked to have like gotten some real oddities from that place, but they're very expensive over there, which I don't fault people, especially small businesses, for having high prices because a lot of times, and especially like the small businesses that you see at these expos, they handcraft their stuff and they have to use their own money to buy the resources that they need, whether it's varnish, chemicals, paints, wood crafts for stuff. Mm-hmm. And even like like when you go to these Oddity Curiosities Expos, they have a lot of vendors who have like specimen jars filled with like animal parts or body parts or things like that. So it's very interesting to have these things but they cost a lot of money to make, which is why they cost a lot of money to purchase. I would have liked to have gotten myself an animal skull. Mm-hmm. Colin? Yes. How do, you, how do you feel about that? That you want an animal skull? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a few things I saw there that I really wanted. Like, especially some of the, like, the t-shirts that look great. Especially the Mothman ones and stuff. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, we really would love a Mothman t-shirt or stuff like that. But it's okay. I mean... You know, we can always find other places that are doing stuff like this, like little fun sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, there's an event that we might be playing that does the Hungerford. Oh, yes. The, tell, first, the first Friday. Tell people about your shows because... Well, we get- well, I can't tell everything just yet because we might make it official. But the two shows that we are playing so far, we are playing September 17th. At the um, Bug Jar. Mm-hmm. And we're playing with the Goddamn Gallows and the Sickabillies. I forgot what the first name of the guy is, but the band is called the Sickabillies. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're playing that show for the Bug Jar. September 17th, like I said. So anyone from this region is listening to this right now, please come to the show. Because I know a lot of people want to see us play again. Or if you find yourself in the Rochester area around that time... Yeah. And come to the bug jar. And, and also, if you don't see us that time, that's okay because in October, it's actually a much wonderful time to see us, you know, especially in our natural habitat. Even though we are playing yearly, you know, all year round. We are playing October 27th at Lux mm-hmm. in Rochester. And we're playing with our buddies, the Underwater Bosses, who is a surf, uh, surf band, surf rock band. Mm-hmm. And they are really good. We played with them about, I think, what, a year ago? Yeah. We played with them last summer. Yeah. And they were quite enjoyable. Like, I love those guys very much. They are awesome. Actually, the basses, I think it's the basses or the drummer, but he's a huge Descendants fan like I am. Yeah. And he got to see the Descendants live and met them, too, while they were out on the streets and everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really fucking cool. So I was like, fuck. But we get to play with them on October 27th at Lux, so please come down and see us if you get a chance. And also we might be playing the first Friday of October and October 6th over at the Hungerford. Yeah, well, you don't want to put that out there and then but no, no. that happen. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. But that's a maybe. Yeah. But yeah, but for right now, those are what we're mostly just playing. So, yeah. yeah. Yay. All right. So yeah, other than that, you good with everything? Yeah, I think we got everything we need. We talked about Bigfoot. Yeah. Good amount. Mm-hmm. I talked about mermaids for a good amount, which wasn't even on my list. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you wanted to make your list keep going, but yeah, no. Um, Ooh. Anyway. But yeah, other than that, yeah, no, I think it's been a good episode today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy our rants and banters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, stay tuned for another episode that we will do pretty soon. Yeah. 
Yep, and we'll keep you guys posted and updated on all our stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. And other than that, this has been the Abby Normal Podcast. Signing off, this is Colin. And Aaliyah. Again, signing off saying, Bigfoot is real! As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.